What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mailari. So today is that big game, Michigan versus TCU. I just previewed that game with Riley, the Michigan football superfan, and Liam, the hockey icon, just in my last episode of the podcast. Now I'm going to preview the next game, which is the Georgia versus Ohio State game, which is tonight at 8 o'clock. And then I'll give some more stats for that TCU-Michigan game as well that I want to mention. So I'll start out Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl today. Ohio State, number four team in the country, 11-1 on the year. Georgia, number one team in the country, 13-0. Won the SEC championship. They'll be playing tonight, both those teams, at 8 o'clock in the Peach Bowl. Georgia right now is favored by five points. Ohio State's offense, though, is one thing that Georgia will have to be ready for. Ohio State's offense is elite. And I know they came up flat and they came against Michigan, but if you look at their stats overall in the year, averaging 44.5 points per game, which is number two in all college football, 493 yards per game as well, which is ridiculous. And then you look at their defense as well. I mean, the defense is good, only allowing 19.3 points per game on defense, which is 14th best in college football, and only giving up 303 yards per game. They're so good all around Ohio State, and that's why I think this game today is going to be a big test for Georgia. I think Georgia still wins this game. I think it's going to be a close game, though. I think this would be a close game. I think this is the best offense that Georgia's had to face all year. And Ohio State did come up flat in that Michigan game. That was the last game they played since they didn't play in the Big Ten Championship. I think they're going to be ready in this game, Georgia. I think their defense is ready to play. But I think Ohio State's going to put up points. I think they're going to put up points. They only lost one game this year, Ohio State, and that was to Michigan. They put up points in just about every game. They scored 40-plus in nine games this year. And another thing you look at is that besides their loss to Michigan, their closest game was 21-10, to only winning by 11 points against Notre Dame to open the year. That was week one. I mean, they put teams away. They put teams away. They put up points 40-plus in nine games this year, and that's why I feel like this Ohio State offense will be the biggest test for Georgia's defense this year. But I'm only talking about Ohio State's offense right now. Let me get to Georgia's really quick. Georgia's offense is really good, too. Really good, averaging 39.2 points per game, allowing just 12.8 points per game on defense per game. 12.8 points per game, which is nuts. Which is absolutely nuts, only giving up 12.8 points per game. And that just shows how dominant Georgia is. Offense and defense, they're elite. Only giving up 12.8 points per game, which is second best out of 131 Division I programs. Second best in the country, and they're averaging 39.2 points per game, which is 10th best out of the 131 teams. So, pretty impressive both ways. They're only giving up 12.8 points per game, so under 13 a game, scoring 39 a game on offense, and they're scoring high point totals in so many games this year. Georgia scored 40-plus points in seven games this year. They blew it Oregon 49-3 to open the year, or one of their first games. I think it was open the I think that was their first game of the year. They beat South Carolina 48-7. They beat Mississippi State 45-19, and they beat LSU in the SEC Championship 50-30. They're putting up 40-plus points on Oregon, South Carolina, and Mississippi State in LSU. Four teams are all ranked at some point this year in the top 25 and were good teams. So it's pretty impressive considering how good Georgia is on offense and defense. And if you look at it, they only gave up 30 points once this year. That was the most points they gave up. That was to LSU in the SEC Championship. And their other two highest point totals they allowed this year on defense was 22 points to Kent State and 22 points to Missouri. So the most points they gave up in a game this year... Their top three most points have given up, 30 to LSU, 22 to Kent State, which is pretty impressive considering Kent State's season did not go the way they wanted to, and 22 to Missouri. So it's pretty impressive what they're doing on both sides of the ball, Georgia. They can score and they can play defense, and their defense is led by Jalen Carter, 6'3", 310-pound junior defensive lineman, had a great season, three sacks, seven tackles for a loss, 29 total tackles, two forced fumbles, and two passes defended on the year. He's a top prospect in this year's draft, and Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay's pre-draft rankings. So if you look at it, I mean, they're good all around. 
And if you look at it, a lot of the time, your defense has to show up, especially in a big game like this. You need your defense to show up in a big game like this. And Georgia's defense is the strongest in the country, in my opinion. Their defense does not give up much room to run. Their defensive line is elite. I think that's part of the biggest storyline of this game is Georgia's defense overall versus Ohio State's offense. Because I think Ohio State's offense arguably is the best offense in the country. I know they did come up flat against Michigan, but I think Ohio State's offense is the best in the country, in my opinion, considering how much firepower they have. And Georgia has the best defense. So you're looking at the best defense in the country, in my opinion, with Georgia versus the best offense in the country, which is Ohio State. So I think that's going to be a great matchup. I think that's storyline of the game. Can Georgia's defense stop Ohio State's offense? And can Ohio State's offense score on Georgia's defense? That's going to be a huge storyline. That's going to come down to probably the last few minutes of the game, in my opinion. I think it's going to come down to the last few minutes of the game. Who's going to make a bigger play on offense or defense? I think Georgia wins this game. I'm going to give my score prediction in just a minute after I break down some plays to highlight. But I think it's going to be a very good game. So some players to highlight, Georgia's quarterback Stetson Bennett finished fourth in the Heisman voting this year, 3,500 passing yards on the year, just under that, 3,425 passing yards with 20 passing touchdowns and six interceptions, had a very good season, finished fourth in the Heisman, as I said, won the national championship for them last year, and he has one of the best stories in all of college football. He was a preferred walk-on at Georgia, was running the scout team offense for Georgia while redshirting in 2017, ended up transferring to a JUCO. Comes back to Georgia, still as a backup, and worked his way all the way up the depth chart and ends up being the quarterback that wins him a national championship. Bennett had to overcome so much to get to where he did. And being fourth in the Heisman voting this year, winning the national championship last year, I mean, he's already, already accomplished so much for a guy that was a walk-on that was running a scout team offense in 2017. So it's pretty impressive. He had a really good year. So I'm, I'm impressed with what he's been doing, and I'm rooting nothing but the best for him. Hopefully he's another great game today in the game against Ohio State. For Georgia, their running back is Kenny McIntosh, senior running back in 136 carries this year for 709 yards on the ground and 10 rushing touchdowns. He's actually excellent in the pass game as well, 37 catches for 450 yards through the air and a receiving touchdown, averaging 12.2 yards per catch. Brock Bowers is their best receiver overall. He's a tight end, a sophomore for that Georgia offense. 52 catches with 726 yards and six touchdowns on the year. Last year, 13 touchdowns as a freshman for the National Championship Bulldogs was a big reason they won last year. So pretty impressive with what he did last year. He had a really good season this year as well. Only six touchdowns compared to the 13 he had last year, but still an impressive season. Next up is redshirt sophomore wide receiver Lad McConkey. Has really good speed at 51 catches for 675 yards and five touchdowns on the year for Georgia. Also added six carries for 120 yards and two rushing touchdowns on the year. So... Clearly, Georgia likes to use his speed a lot, especially considering he had an end-around touchdown this year. Two touchdowns overall on the ground for him with five receiving touchdowns. So seven touchdowns on the year for McConkie. Pretty good weapon to have in that pass game. And then also can run the ball as well. Now I'm going to switch to Georgia's defense. I already talked a little bit about Jalen Carter, 6'3", 310-pound junior defensive lineman. Has a great IQ for the game. Gets a lot of tackles for a loss. Had seven this year. 29 tackles overall. Two forced fumbles. Couple passes defended as well uh, by blocking passes at the line of scrimmage. It was pretty impressive. He get bat balls down and also added three sacks. He's probably the biggest player for Ohio State to worry about for their offensive line. But, I mean, Georgia's defense is good all around. Sophomore linebacker Jamon Dumas-Johnson had eight tackles for a loss this year, which was number one on the team. Three sacks, three passes defended, a forced fumble, and 64 total tackles, which was tied for first on that Georgia defense. Seen a defensive back, Chris Smith is Georgia's best defensive back, in my opinion. 50 total tackles on the year, five tackles for loss, three interceptions, five passes defended, and a fumble recovery. Smith has had a very good year, very sound in the pass game, uh, especially considering they like to throw the ball Ohio State, so that's one thing Georgia's going to have to be ready for is their defensive backs going to have to be ready 
for a potential deep pass downfield by C.J. Stroud. Since he likes looking for that receiver's 40, 50 yards downfield, you have to be ready for that. And one thing about Chris Smith is he's very sound tackling-wise. If you run the ball to the outside, he'll make tackles, 50 total tackles, as I said, on the year. But then even in the pass game as well, he's been pretty good. Three interceptions, which is number one on the team, along with five passes defended. So pretty impressive there for him. And now I'm going to transition to Ohio State's offense, which I've talked a lot about Georgia now on offense and defense. I'm going to talk a little bit about now Ohio State. The Buckeyes offense really good. As I talked about, they have the best offense in the country, in my opinion. And that's led by quarterback C.J. Stroud, who finished third in the Heisman voting this year. 66.2% completion percentage this year with 3,340 passing yards, with 37 pass touchdowns and six interceptions on the year. If you look at what he did last year as well, 44 pass touchdowns and six picks. In his college career now in two seasons, starting last year as a redshirt freshman and then this year as a redshirt sophomore. He's a junior academically. 37 pass touchdowns last or this year, 44 last year. 81 total passing touchdowns with 12 picks in his two-year college career as a starter for Ohio State. So pretty impressive. He can really beat you a lot downfield. He loves throwing the ball deep. So at the end of the day, that's one thing Georgia's defensive backs have to be ready for. Running back Mayan Williams is really good for that Ohio State offense as well. 125 carries for 817 yards on the ground this year. 13 rushing touchdowns and then also added 5 catches for 27 yards as well. Strong back, runs hard, runs hard through contact, breaks tackles well. One thing, he is a physical back. He doesn't really add much in the pass game though. So at the end of the day, if he is in the game on a pass play, he's probably just there as a pass protector and not really going to get much involved in a dump off uh, to run downfield. Another thing I just read was that he was dealing with a stomach bug during the week, but they said he should be good for today's game. So that's one good thing for Ohio State's offense. Another thing for Ohio State's offense that Georgia has to be ready for, wide receiver Marvin Harrison, the best receiver on Ohio State, 72 catches for 1,157 yards on the year with 12 touchdowns as well. He played really well all year, and that's one thing that Ohio State could rely on with Ohio State's best wide receiver last year, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was out all of the season really besides one game, dealing with a hamstring injury all season long. He decided to shut himself down and get ready for the draft. All in the year, only five catches, 43 yards for him. But if you look at what he did last year, 95 catches of 1,606 yards and nine touchdowns as a sophomore. So without Jackson Smith and Jigba, that's a big loss. Marvin Harrison has stepped up heavily, 72 catches, I said, for 1,157 yards and 12 touchdowns. Another wide receiver is Amika Egbuka, 66 catches for 1,039 yards and nine receiving touchdowns on the year. That's another guy that's picked up in that loss of their best receiver. Not having Jackson Smith and Jigba is a big loss. Now, considering Egbuka and Harrison have picked up well, Stroud really hasn't skipped a beat. 37 touchdowns, still with a great year passing for Stroud. Now to transition to Ohio State's defense. Senior linebacker Tommy Eichenberg has led the Buckeyes' defense all year. 12 tackles for a loss. Had a pick six as well. Three passes defended in 112 total tackles. He's an absolute beast. 112 total tackles in 12 games played, which is pretty impressive. Probably the best player on Ohio State's defense overall. And then another guy that I'm a fan of is Tanner McAllister, Ohio State defensive back, a transfer from Oklahoma State. Had 21 tackles on the year for them in their secondary with three interceptions and a pass defended. So now I'm going to give my prediction for the game. I just give a breakdown of both teams, offense, defense, plays to watch out for, stats of their offense and defense overall in the year and how they rank against each other. But I'm going to go Georgia winning this game 31-27. to I think Ohio State wants to win this game. They're going to have to score 30-plus. And one thing I did mention, that Georgia doesn't give up many points. They only gave up 30 points once this year, and that was in a blowout win by 20 points over LSU. They won the game 50-30 to in the SEC Championship. I think if Ohio State wants to win this game, they have to score around 35 points and limit Georgia on offense. If they want to win this game, they have to score 35-plus. So 
I think Georgia wins this game. I think their defense is too good overall, only allowing 12.8 points per game, which is second best in all college football among 131 teams. I think Georgia wants to win today's game. They have to play great defense like they have been and limit Ohio State's offense. I think it's the reverse. For Ohio State, their offense has to score points versus Georgia's defense. So at the end of the day, I think it comes down to Georgia's defense versus Ohio State's offense. I think Georgia gets a better of them at the end of the day, but I think it's going to be a really good game. I got Georgia winning this one 31-27. So now I'm going to transition back to that TC versus Michigan game in the Fiesta Bowl. Give a quick preview of that game, which I just did. In my last episode with Michigan superfan Riley Keeter and then also Liam Kenny, the hockey icon. I'm going to give a quick preview of that game just to break down a couple more stats I want to mention and then give you guys my prediction yet again. So that game right now is a 7.5 point spread right now for Michigan. They are favored in that game. 13-0 on the end. Number 2 team in the country. TCU 12-1. Number 3 team in the country. Both offenses have a ton of talent and firepower and that's one thing you'd be ready for. It could be a high scoring game. TCU averaging 40.3 points per game. 473 yards per game on offense, which is pretty impressive as an average. They give up 25 points per game, 385 yards as well on defense given up per game. Michigan scoring 40.1 points per game and gaining 453.5 yards per game on offense. Both pretty impressive numbers, allowing just 13.4 points per game on defense and 277.1 yards per game, uh, which is pretty impressive considering Michigan is great on offense and defense, only giving up 13 points per game and scoring 40. That's unreal. And one main thing that Michigan does well is they stop the run very well, only averaging 85.2 opponent rush yards per game. So if TCU wants to win this game, at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to TCU's defense stopping Michigan. Considering Michigan, obviously the defense is really good, but I just talked about this in the last episode. I think the bigger question mark for Michigan is their offense than their defense. You know their defense is going to show up, and you know TCU's offense is good. I know Michigan's going to be ready for that. I think the biggest question mark is, can TCU's defense stop Michigan's offense, especially in the run game? Especially in the run game, which I'm going to break down some of TCU's numbers really quick. TCU has surrendered 149.5 yards per game on the ground, and that's what Michigan does well. They run the ball very well. So TCU's defensive line really has to have a really good game today if they want to win this game. If TCU wanted a shot in this game, I think their defense needs to hold Michigan to around 27 to 30 points. And although TCU can score points... I don't see Michigan surrendering more than 30 points at the absolute most. So if TCU wanted to win this game, it'd have to be a score 30 and under, like 30 to 27. Because anything over that, I don't see TCU getting 30-plus points on Michigan's defense. And Michigan, they have the ability to put up 50 points a game. They did it four times this year, scoring 50-plus, and scored 40-plus in seven games this year out of 13 played. So TCU really has their work cut out for them on defense. I think it does come out of TCU's defense and seeing if they can stop Michigan. In Michigan, the most they gave up this year was 27 points, and that was in a game against Maryland on September 24th. They only had two one-possession games on the year, and that just shows how good they are on defense. Only two one-possession games, and the most they surrendered on defense this year was 27 points. So if TCU wants any chance here, they got to score 30 points and hold Michigan's offense to around 27. And that's the thing at the end of the day. I don't know if TCU could do that. I don't know. TCU could score points. They scored 40-plus in six games this year, but they've allowed 28-plus points in seven games. They've allowed 28-plus points in seven games this year. The most points Michigan gave up in any game this year was 27. And TCU gave 28-plus in seven games. So I think TCU has an advantage, being a heavy underdog, being 200-to-1 odds before the season to win the national championship, and now finding yourself in the college playoff. You defy the odds heavily. I mean, your win total for the season was 6.5 in Vegas, and right now you find yourselves at 12-1 and one playing Michigan in the college football playoff. I mean, they have an advantage right there just being an underdog. Just being an underdog, you always have an advantage. 
And considering how good they were in offense, anything can happen, especially once you make it to the college football playoff, just like in every single sport. All you want is a chance, and you don't have a chance unless you make the playoffs. If you make the playoffs, records go away. Stats, for the most part, go away, even though when you're in the game, obviously, you're still game planning and seeing what ways you can beat the other team. But it doesn't matter if you threw 16 interceptions on the year or you threw five interceptions in your last game. Going into the next game, everything's clear. There's a clean slate every single playoff game. There's a clean slate. You start out new. All you want is a chance in the playoffs, and that's why TCU has advantage being an underdog. I still think Michigan wins this game, though. Now I'm going to highlight some players on both teams before I close out this episode. So as I said, TCU 200-1 underdogs on the year now find themselves at 12-1. and They would not have been able to do that without senior quarterback Max Duggan. Had a great season, 64.9% completion percentage on the year with 3,321 passing yards on the season with 30 passing touchdowns and four picks. Also pretty good in the run game as well. He can move and extend plays. And considering how good Michigan is up front, he's going to have to be able to extend plays, especially against TCU's offensive line. And that's another mismatch is Michigan's D-line versus TCU's offensive line. On the year, Duggan added 112 carries for 404 yards and six rushing touchdowns. In his career four years at TCU, he had 25 career rushing touchdowns. So pretty impressive. As I said, was second best in the Heisman voting this year, coming in second to USC's quarterback, Caleb Williams. So pretty impressive season for Duggan overall. Now I'm going to move on to their running back, Horned Frogs running back, Kendra Millis had a very good season, 216 carries for 1,342 yards and 17 rushing touchdowns, averaging 6.2 yards per carry. Also added 16 catches for 116 yards in the past game, but he's not the biggest really threat to catch a pass out of the backfield considering he only had 16 catches in 13 games. Junior wide receiver, Quinton Johnston is the leading receiver for TCU's offense. 53 catches for 903 yards and five touchdowns on the year. Pretty big receiver. You can go up and get it. Six foot four. And it's been a huge mismatch for smaller cornerbacks this season. So I'd imagine in this game, it probably won't be a smaller cornerback like Mike Sandra still. Sandra's had a very good season for that Michigan secondary. He's only 5'10", though, so I don't think he'll be covering a guy like Quinton Johnston. Considering Johnston, as I said, a 6'4", more physical of a wide receiver, I don't think a less physical cornerback like Mike Sandra still would be covering him in this game. They'd probably go with a more physical cornerback against Johnston since he's 6'4 and has a strong build. On the year, though, as I said, he can go up and get it. He's been a mismatch for small, less physical cornerbacks. And in this year's draft, he's going to be a first-round pick. So at the end of the day, he looks like he could probably be a top 25 pick. And if he has a big game today, at the end of the day, scouts are going to be watching this game heavily. I think he could even improve his draft stock today if he's another good game. I think he's going to be a first-round pick, though, in my opinion. Another guy to watch out for is wide receiver Darius Davis. He's the speed guy for TCU's offense in the pass game. 35 catches of 418 receiving yards and five touchdowns. He's got home run hitting speed, and that's one thing Michigan has to be ready for. He's also great in the special teams as well. 17 punt returns for 237 punt return yards and two punt return TDs. Averaging 13.9 yards per return, which is really impressive. In his career, though, in five years with the Horned Frogs, 43 punt returns for 627 yards and five punt return touchdowns. 14.6 yards per return he's averaging and has five punt return touchdowns in 43 returns. So one out of every eight punt returns just about, he has a punt return touchdown. He also had a kick return touchdown as well last year. So his speed is something Michigan has to be ready for. And I imagine a guy like Mike Sainer still will be covering him in this game. Bud Clark, TCU's best defensive back at 35 tackles on the year and a team leading four interception total on the year. Redshirt sophomore safety. 
His four interceptions is actually good enough in 19th in the nation. So he's had a pretty good season for them in their secondary. He's probably their best defensive back overall. Senior linebacker D. Winters is their best pass rusher. 65 total tackles for 11.5 tackles for a loss. 7.5 sacks on the year as well. He's actually the team leader in sacks. And also has a pass defendant and a fumble recovery. TC was surrendered 236 pass yards per game, which is 83rd in the nation. Have to think Michigan attacks them in the air, or at least tries to throw deep. I know that Michigan's run game is very good, and they'll probably rely on the run a lot, but when they're giving up 236 pass yards per game, you got to think Michigan wants to throw the ball. TCU does have that dog in them, though, as I said, having led by Duggan in second-half comebacks this year five times this year. TCU has come back in the second half in five games this year. But I think this game's different. When you're playing in the cultural playoff and you're playing in a big game like a school that's Michigan who's 13-0, you do not want to be churling by a lengthy margin early in the game. If TCU wants to win this game, or at least be in it to the, until the end and have a chance to win at the end, regardless of they, whether they win or not, they have to get on Michigan to start the game. You have to start up 7-0, 7-3, 14-10. You have to be in the game early and be up. I don't see TCU coming back in the second half and pulling off their sixth comeback win in the second half this year. I think if they want to win this game, they've got to find a way to be up early in the game and get on Michigan early. That's just the way you have to do it. And one thing I like about TCU's basketball team is that they're all dogs. They don't have any quit in them. Eddie Lampkins, Mike Miles Jr., they don't have any quit in them, those guys. And that's why I like that team. So I'm not rooting for TCU football necessarily, but I do know that basketball team plays very hard. And if their football team plays like that, then they're going to be hard to beat. Considering they have five comeback wins, they do have that dog in them, as I said. And that's one thing I like about UMaine's basketball program and their football program is both teams play very hard until the end, and they don't quit. So see if TCU has that in them, too, with their football and their basketball teams. And I know it's a crazy comparison, but I didn't want to not mention TCU's basketball team since I'm a big fan of them. But like I said, they do have that dog in them coming back five times this year, but I don't want TCU to find themselves down early in this game. I think if they want to win this game, they have to be up, especially considering Michigan has an ability to put teams away scoring points. TCU does not want to be down in this game, especially considering how good Michigan is on offense and defense. You do not want to be down by two touchdowns at halftime. Even though you have five comeback wins on the year, doing that against Big 12 defenses is different than doing against a team like Michigan, who's been great all season. Sonny Dykes, he's the head coach for TCU, first-year head coach for that program, has led them to be resilient, hardworking, but I know the biggest game plan probably for them is get out to a lead because if you don't and you let this game get out of hand early, you might not be able to have a second chance come back in the second half again. But considering they were 200 to 1 underdogs before the season to win the national championship, which is actually the longest preseason shot ever for a team to make the cultural playoff, so it's pretty impressive on its own what he's done this year. I think Dykes probably wants that TCU offense and defense to start out hot and get on Michigan early. That's got to be a game plan. Now I'm transitioning to Michigan really quick and break down some of their players. Sophomore quarterback J.J. McCarthy on the year, 65.3% completion percentage, 2,376 passing yards, 20 passing touchdowns in three picks. He had 60 carries with 254 yards and four rushing touchdowns. He's shown really good improvement from last season, how he looked in limited snaps, considering he was the backup quarterback last season. For the most part, did appear on, I believe, 11 games. Uh, but now this year being the full-time starter, had 20 touchdowns with three picks. And I think one thing that Michigan has to worry about more is their offense rather than their defense. And I know I just talked about that with Riley and Liam. I think Michigan's defense is going to show up to play. I think more of a worry, though, is that offense. Even though offense is so good, when you don't have Blake Corum, who had a tremendous season going down with a knee injury about a month ago now, who finished with 1,463 rushing yards and 18 rushing touchdowns and finished seventh in the Heisman voting, when you don't have him, that's a big loss. 
And that's going to force you to still have to throw the ball more than you probably would without him. Even though Donovan Edwards, now their lead back, got some carries even when uh, Corum was healthy. When you don't have Corum, though, back there, teams aren't going to bite as much on play fakes. And we have a good run game. I mean, it takes less pressure off the quarterback. The pressure on the quarterback is definitely less than you have an ability to run the ball and teams will bite more on play fakes and it obviously opens up the offense heavily. And I'm not taking away from Donovan Edwards. Really good season. 117 carries for 872 yards on the ground with seven rushing touchdowns. Also added two touchdown receptions with 17 receptions in 192 receiving yards. Very good season. Had 7.5 yards per carry. Number one in the Big Ten and also number three in the nation. They had explosive plays out of the backfield all season, and that helped Michigan's offense overall. Averaged 243 rushing yards per game, and they had at least 165 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in every single game this season. So their identity, for the most part, for Michigan, has been on the ground. So that's something that TCU has to limit. They have to limit Michigan's offense in the run game. Considering TCU allowed 149.5 yards per game on the ground, they're going to have to wait and improve that and find a way to stop Michigan's run attack so that it forces J.J. McCarthy to have to throw the ball. So I think the biggest weakness for the Michigan team is their offense. Even though their offense is really good, I'm not taking it away from it. I think J.J. McCarthy is more of a worry for Michigan than their defense. I think their defense is going to show up to play. I certainly think Michigan wins this game, but I think it could be a close game up to the fourth quarter, and then Michigan pulls away at the end. That was my prediction. I'm going to stay with it being 41-10 to Michigan. But let me highlight a few more players on that Michigan team. Wide receiver Ronnie Bell has had a very good season. Probably the best receiver overall. 56 catches for 754 yards and three touchdowns. Senior wide receiver Cornelius Johnson came up huge in that Ohio State game. Had four catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns versus OSU. Six foot three, has good height and good build. Had 30 catches overall in the year for 469 yards and six touchdowns. Now to move on to that Michigan defense. Linebacker Mike Morris has been the best for the Wolverines this year. Pass rushing wise, 21 total tackles with seven and a half sacks. A forced fumble, two pass defended in 11 tackles for a loss. Sophomore linebacker Junior Colson has been a tackling machine for the Michigan Wolverines defense this year. Adding 95 total tackles on the year with six tackles for a loss and two sacks. Former Everett High star cornerback slash wide receiver Mike Sanders was a starting cornerback for the Wolverines this year after making the jump from the wide receiver position to the defensive back room. He's fourth on the team in total tackles with 51 tackles, five and a half tackles for a loss, and two sacks with seven pass defended, which is second best on the team. And then the last guy I'm going to mention is junior defensive back for Michigan, DJ Turner, is another guy to keep your eye on. Great instincts for the game, plays the game very fast, 33 total tackles with a pick, 10 pass defended, which is number one on the team, and a fumble recovery for a 45-yard touchdown return on the year. So now I'm going to give my quick prediction. I'm going to take Michigan winning this game 41-30, to because I said if TC wants to have any prayer in this game and try to win this, they got to hold Michigan under 30 points and score around 30 themselves. I think if TC wants to win this game, they have to start out hot and early and win this game and get out to a lead early in the game, because I think they're not going to be able to come back late in the second half like they've done five times this year. If they want to win this game, it'd have to be a 30-27 to game with TC winning. As for Michigan, I think they win this game 41-30. to I think they're going to get themselves... Probably a late touchdown at the end of the game to cover that spread. I think they win by 11. That's my prediction, 41-30. to It could be even less scoring, maybe let's say 38-27. Like I said in that end of the episode with Riley and Liam. But I think if TCU wants to be in this game, they have to limit Michigan to 30 points, 27 points, somewhere around there. But for Michigan, if Michigan wants to win this game, they have to play sound defense like they've done all year long and find ways to let that run game slow the game down and score consistent points on TCU. Since TCU's defense isn't that good, one thing Michigan has to focus on is scoring points against that defense. Because you know Michigan's defense is going to show up. T- 
TCU's defense giving up 150 rushing yards per game and Michigan averaging 243 run yards per game on the ground on the season, you got to think Michigan's going to attack them in the run game. And one last thing I want to mention was that TCU is the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio in the college football playoff. Of the three, quarterback, running back, wide receiver trios in the all four teams in the college football playoff, they have generated the most total yards among their quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Max Duggan, Kendra Miller, and Quinton Johnson have accounted for 6,800 total yards with 58 total touchdowns, which is second most of the trios in the college football playoff. Stetson Bennett, Kenny McIntosh, and Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers is a tight end, have generated 5,587 total yards for 47 touchdowns. C.J. Stroud, Mayan Williams, and Marvin Harrison have generated 5,420 yards on offense and 62 total touchdowns, which is number one in the whole entire college football playoff among quarterback, running back, and wide receiver trios at healthy. Trayvon Henderson is out for Ohio State, and then obviously Blake Horms out for Michigan. So Michigan's actually dead last in total yards and total touchdowns among their quarterback, running back, and wide receiver trio with J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, and Ronnie Bell combining for 4,194 yards, which is... 1,300 yards less than any other team in the college football playoff among their quarterback, running back, and wide receiver trio. So, and they also are less than the touchdowns with only 32. So at the end of the day, the most firepower that means is TCU with Duggan as their quarterback, Miller as their running back, and Johnston as their wide receiver generating the most yards and only four less touchdowns than Ohio State's trio, having 58 for TCU and 62 for Ohio State. Anyways, that does conclude today's episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.